What does it actually mean to be a bad bitch? I'm your host, Valerie Martin, and if you're asking me, it means being fully alive, unstoppable, kicking ass at the things that light you up, and being permanently unavailable for the things that make you feel like shit. Whether you're a boss bitch business owner or just someone who goes hard on your personal and professional growth, buckle the fuck up and get ready to be inspired, challenged, and take action. Let's do this, boo. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to another episode of Bad Bitch Therapist Podcast. You are in for a treat with our guest today, my friend, Erica Murphy. And guess what, y'all? She's another therapist. <laughs> I was joking with her during the episode. I'm like, like this, th- this podcast isn't actually all intended either for therapists or to only have therapist guests. But like, Recently, that's just who we've had on because that's (laughs) the circles that I'm in. But again, as I've said for most of these episodes, I really believe and hope that a lot of this conversation will be incredibly interesting and valuable, whether you are a therapist or not, or care much about the world of therapy. I mean, I guess you need to care a little or it might be boring, but I'm guessing if you're listening to a personal and professional development podcast, that is okay with you. So I had the pleasure of meeting Erica recently when my husband Chris and I were on a trip to the New Orleans area where she lives, and we got to visit her beautiful home and meet Laszlo, her pup, and the cat outdoors who's kind of indoors, and I can't remember his name. I should have asked. (laughs) I got the dog's name wrong, so I wasn't going to go zero for two. Anyway... Before we jump in, I got to do our watching, reading, loving segment. So recently, actually, aka yesterday, I started watching Love is Blind season four. And no spoilers, I don't know by the time this airs how far I will be through it. Sometimes it is one that is very bingeable, but I just started the first episode last night while folding laundry. It is definitely one that gets me every time. Those red carpet moments are like, ugh. I've been waiting for this, unless it's a shake kind of moment, please. Reading, I am still, as of right now, when I'm recording this, still reading Magic Hour by Kristen Hanna. So I'm actually going to share a rec from Erica, which I did not mention to her that I'd be sharing this. I'm sure she won't mind, but she actually made this recommendation to me recently. And the funny thing is, I have to say that I did not super care for it. I I only got about 10% of the way into the book, but I'm like, picky and weird with fiction. So I certainly trust her opinion that it's an entertaining book. It just wasn't my style. And it's called A Touch of Jen. I forgot to take down the author's name, but it'll be in the show notes. And yeah, it's it kind of reminded me of Aubrey Plaza's movie, Ingrid Goes West. It's kind of like that, like people get weirdly stalkerish with someone on the internet. And you know, weird things ensue. So if you're into that kind of story, then I'm sure you will love it and wanted to share that recommendation on behalf of our guest today. 
So let me tell you, oh, before we jump into Erica's bio, I did want to mention one more thing that I did not get to circle back to while we were having our conversation. When Erica talks about the lack of business training for therapists, which is, yes, it is abysmal. I think some programs now have a business course, though I don't think it's like the majority of them and I don't know how good they are. Anyway, I will just make a plug for the episode that happened right before this one. If you are a therapist or are curious about that, then Laura Long would be a great episode to listen to. I actually took Laura's course, Your Badass Therapy Practice, during my first year in private practice. And I think I was ahead of the curve in some ways compared to a lot of therapists in business because I'd been building websites since before there was cable internet. <laughs> but, but yeah, Laura's course is phenomenal and it definitely helped me to not reinvent the wheel and to really get some strategies that got me up and running faster. So check that out. Check out her episode before this one. And let me tell you a little bit more about Erica. Erica Murphy is the founder of her therapy and coaching business, The Way Forward, where she specializes in helping ambitious high achievers learn how to calm their anxiety, manage their stress, and create more joy, ease, and balance in their lives. Erica also provides coaching and consultation services for branding, marketing, and business strategy to fellow therapists and coaches. When Erica isn't working, you can usually find her wrangling her animals, fueling her coffee addiction, or curled up with a glass of wine and her latest young adult fantasy novel. You can find Erica online at twftherapy.com. That stands for The Way Forward Therapy. She's on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook at Erica Murphy Healing. And as she shared in the interview, much appreciated if you follow her on Instagram and Facebook to diversify a little bit for her from her incredible TikTok following. All right, let's get into the conversation with Erica. Erica, I am so excited to chat with you today. Thanks for coming on the pod. Oh my gosh, thanks for having me, Dala. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, I feel like it was... A uh, good serendipitous occurrence that we ended up getting to hang out in real life before doing this, because now even even though I misremembered your dog's name, which I feel horrible about, I'm like, oh my gosh, I've been there in the room that you're sitting in. I know, I love that so much. And I feel like that was such a fun meeting because it got me even more excited to do this podcast episode with you. Totally. Yes. Well, I told you my my hard part is always the first question, but as I just glanced down at your arm and saw one of your beautiful pieces of ink that I know I complimented IRL, I would love for you to tell people what is that lovely tattoo on your arm and what it means to you. Uh, Yes. Okay. So you can see it. This is my Phoenix, which I got after I moved back to New Orleans during covid And there were a lot of reasons for me to make that move. And of course, COVID was absolutely insane. And we're still experiencing the fallout from that. And for some people, it hasn't ended. Mm -hmm. Um, But for me, I mean, huge decision to move back to my hometown of New Orleans during it. Got back here. Everything was absolutely bananas for like two years. And I ended up getting to a point where I decided, okay, this is a space where I can look at my life and I can decide am I okay with how my life is or do I want it to be something different? And so for me, it was really a process of deconstructing pretty much like every aspect of my life and the way that I was living it and then rebuilding it from the ground up. And I'd always loved the idea of phoenixes because of what they represent. 
right? Like the power, the grace, the beauty, the resilience. And I also really like the idea of a phoenix because they're also just aesthetically beautiful. So I'm like, okay, best of both yeah. worlds, right? There's nothing worse than like getting a tattoo and someone being like, what is that? And you're just like, I just, I liked how it looked, you know, like without actually having a story behind it. So when I decided to move out on my own and get my own place, I found this absolutely gorgeous place. Spoiler alert, you've been there. <laughs> and there was a tattoo parlor, like walking distance away from it. And so I said to myself one night and basically like to the universe, if I get this home, I'm getting that tattoo. And mm. I got the place. So I was like, all right, I got to put my money where my mouth is. And yep. I went and got the tattoo. And I'm not going to lie. There are days that are that are hard or they're rough. And I just kind of like glanced down and I happened to see that. And it reminds me that like, you know, the shit I've gone through before I got through and a lot of that was really, really hard and painful. So I'm like, oh, I could do that. I've got whatever's coming next. So that's like mm. my little emotional support Phoenix. Oh my gosh. I love that. <laughs> now, oh, now I need to get an emotional. I've been wanting a pig for a while with like a little yes. wreath, floral wreath around. And so I'm like, I think it's time for my emotional support pig tattoo. Thanks Absolutely. for the inspo. <laughs> also, it's it beautiful to that story because I mean, clearly that time around, you know, COVID was a personal individual sort of reinvention of rebuilding your life from the ground up and mm -hmm. uprooting. And obviously the, like you said, the collective sort of reinvention, like collectively, it has been a Phoenix experience in the past few years. So it's just a very powerful symbol right now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you are a fellow therapist. It's funny because like this therapist, even though this therapist, this podcast, even though it's called Bad Bitch Therapist is really the name of, you know, me and not necessarily like everyone on the pod is going to be a therapist, but recently that's how it's been going because that's all my friends. <laughs> so you are also a bad bitch therapist and an entrepreneur, a business owner. And I know some of the things that you're really on fire to explore are what it means to be like a woman in business. And well, before I start stacking a bunch of questions, yeah, just like being a woman in business, being a solo entrepreneur, I'm curious what, what you're feeling about that right now. Oh my goodness. Um, so many good questions in that. I think I'm going to start with the solopreneur part yeah. because I never thought that I would be here. So that first and foremost, I went to New York City. I was there for most of my 20s. I spent the first several years of my career working in nonprofits and doing criminal justice reform work. And I was very much motivated and still am by social justice, by inequity, by intersectionality, inclusivity, and really trying to do my part to not just be another white woman walking around just spreading harm everywhere I go mm -hmm. and then claiming mm -hmm. ignorance about it. Not to say that that doesn't happen, but I try to own it when it does. And so through that experience, you know, I always held this idea that people who were in business for themselves had a lot of characteristics that I didn't view myself as having. So mm -hmm. I had this idea in my head of what a business owner looks like and acts like and the skills that they bring to the table. And quite frankly, I just didn't think that I was at that level. The way that I viewed myself at the time, I thought, okay, that's not me. And then COVID happened and I was working for a nonprofit at the time. And I ended up continuing to work for that nonprofit after I moved home. So I was working remotely 
And it was not a good place that I was in, in terms of my mental health, in terms of my well-being. And that particular work culture was not helping. In fact, it was exacerbating all those issues quite a bit. And I really think that all of that just kind of formed like the perfect catalyst to really force me to open up to ideas that I never before would have thought I had access to. And I remember one of my friends was also a therapist and she's in private practice for herself. She said, you know, you should really think about private practice. And I was like, no, like that's not for me. I could never do that. (laughs) But then things just got so bad that it got to a point where I was like trying to find work down here. And every time I thought about the idea of going into work for yet another boss who was, I mean, I'm just going to say it was less competent than me and less ethical than me. Yeah. And they made more money than me and they weren't actually good at managing. I was like, why? <laughs> like, for what? Why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. And then I looked down into the face of my little rescue dog, Laszlo, who you bet. And I was just like, I cannot do this anymore. I cannot live a life where I am just listening to other people tell me what to do and where to go and when and how. I was like, if I continue to do that, I feel like my soul is just going to be crushed. Right. And like, so I just got to that point where I was like, you know what, I'm going to take the leap. I'm going to go into business for myself. And I think for me at that point, it was really important that it was just me because I had so much work-related trauma happen in terms of being enmeshed with Mm. all of these other people, their own agendas, organizational agendas that I think I really needed to be a solopreneur, at least for starting out, because for me, for it being just me, that felt like such a necessary space to be and to feel safe and to start to heal, to not have any of those other influences kind of coming in or me feeling like I needed to do things in a certain way for other people, right? So it, mm. it really just kind of pushed me into the space of isolation. And I think often we use that word in a negative way, but for me, I mean, there have been downsides, right? I think being a solopreneur you need to be a lot more intentional about connecting that socializing, right? Like me being on this podcast today, I was like, oh, that's great. I'm going to get to like talk to Val today. That's wonderful. <laughs> but on the positive side of things, I think that isolation has just been so, so helpful in giving me the space to breathe and to mm-hmm. reflect and to really get back in tune with who I am and what I stand for and what I value and how I want to be running my business and how I want my business to be an extension of me and what I value and what I care about, right? And really trying to stay intentional about infusing it with clean energy, right? As Jenny Blake Mm. would say, as opposed to that dirty energy where it gets kind of like muddied with all the external pressures and wants and urgency. Yeah. Did that answer your question? Yes. (laughs) Beautiful, (laughs) beautiful answer. I'm just like (laughs) over here like, oh, keep talking. (laughs) Please. Thank you. Yeah. And I I just, I love that you were so clear about how important it felt to be on your own, you know, like, yeah, it could have been an, a, another potentially good option for you to go join a group or like immediately jump into, you know, trying to bring people on with you. And even though I ended up sort of accidentally going that route myself, it was not ever really my plan. And I think I would have hated it starting off that period of time of being on my own 
And frankly, I probably in a, in a parallel life, I could have done that forever and been happy. So, and I mm-hmm. love that, like in, like in Jenny's community and, and, and being around people with this sort of shared ethos, it's like scaling is not better, right? Like mm-hmm. it's just different and there's pros and cons of each. And so, yeah, I just, I don't like any time that it's framed like, oh, well you're here now, but surely you'll want to expand, right? Cause you're so successful. It's like, well, I mean, maybe, but also maybe not. <laughs> Absolutely. And I mean, isn't that just such a commentary on the country that we live in, Ooh. right? Like this idea, <laughs> you know, like living, living in the U S and, you know, Capitalism just kind of being entrenched through everything all of the time, right? Like how how fish in the water don't notice the water. I mean, Americans don't notice capitalism, but yeah. it really is entrenched in so many of these beliefs that we have, you, you know? And I really think that it's so important to be able to take that moment to stop and just ask that question of why, you know, for what? Why am I going to expand? what purpose does that serve? What goal does that serve? Right. And, and, you know, if you have the goal of expansion, well, then when does it stop? Mm-hmm. When, mm-hmm. when do you finally get to rest? When do you finally get to enjoy? When do you finally get to savor the fruits of the labor that you've been putting in, you know? And I think that if there's not intentionality and boundaries around that, then it can just become expansion for the sake of expansion until you can't work anymore. Yeah. And then you have what a handful of years to actually enjoy your life. No, thank you. That's signing up for that. No pass. Yes. Yeah. Well, speaking of that word, because it's one of those words that like tweak it a little bit or change the context and it can mean something very different. I'm interrupting the pod very briefly for a quick message about how to work with me. If you enjoy this podcast, then we would probably be a great fit working together. I would love to support you, whether you are a leader, a business owner, or just someone who wants to crush some of your goals over the next few months. Let's talk. I have several programs and would love to tell you more about them and learn what you are wanting to work toward. You can shoot me a DM, an email, find me online at badbitchtherapist.co. All right, let's get back to the episode. So there's expansion and then there's expander. And I know that is a term that you really resonate with. So tell us about what being an expander means to you and why you resonate with it. I love this question so much. Thank you. I could do like a whole TED talk on this. So if I start just like talking at length, like jump in and be like, okay, shut up for a minute. (laughs) (laughs) So I actually first heard that term from my hypnotherapist who is absolutely freaking phenomenal. I love her so much. She is so good at what she does. So I can hype her up for a bit. Her name is Ina Eisenstein. She's on TikTok. You should go find her. She's fantastic. She's great. I haven't done a session with her, but I got to meet her when I was in New York. So I remember we were having a session one time and it was around my role in my business. And at that point in time, I had really been struggling with a sense of misalignment. And I had been struggling with being in a space of feeling like I knew what wasn't working, but I didn't know what would work. And I was really struggling. That hits. (laughs) (laughs) Uh (laughs) Like relatable. Um, So I was really struggling with this sense of feeling like I was just working for work's sake at that point. Mm. Right. And so as we were working through that, one of the things that she was really, really helpful with was guiding me back to the space of, well, 
not just why are you here in this business? Why did you start this business? What does this business mean to you, right? What's the purpose here? What's the goal here? But more on like a broad scale, like why are you here? Question mark, period. Why are you, Erica Murphy, here? Why are you in existence? Why are you in this world, right? Like, what is your divine assignment? Whatever kind of spirituality or religious component, or maybe you're not spiritual or religious, but the idea of like, what is your purpose that you are here on earth to serve? And that really resonated with me because the reason why I was called towards therapy, and I do coaching as well now, but the reason why I was called towards, you know, healing in this way is because I really just felt deep down in my core that it is my calling mm. to be able to work with people in such a way that I can model through my own existence, through my own expansiveness, through my own bravery and fearlessness, or even doing it while I'm scared, you know, my ability to lean into my truest, most authentic self. Right. Not saying I do that all the time. <laughs> that I'm hundred percent doing that. But I think I do it a lot more compared to most people who I run into. Mm-hmm. Right. Because we're so conditioned to operate from fear. And I think being someone who shows up and says, I'm gonna do it scared because this is the right thing for me to do. I think just modeling that in and of itself is expansive for other people because they not only get to see it, but they can feel it, right? Like they can feel that energy when they're around it and energy talks to energy. And every time we're around another human being, our energies are influencing each other, right? Mm. So when someone comes in contact with me, I want to be the kind of person and the kind of human being, whether it's professionally or personally, that when people engage with me, they feel like it was an expansive experience. They feel like it was an opportunity for them to lean a little bit more fully into their truest selves, into their fullest, most authentic selves, right? Whether that's because my energy is just chill and calm and self-assured, right? And I say shit and I do shit. I'm just like, (laughs) yeah, this is me. Like that might be embarrassing or like that might be shameful to other people or like, oh, that was a dumb thing that I just said. Ah." (laughs) You know, I'm just like, exactly. So I think an answer to your question about what that word means to me, the word expander to me, I view it as a role and I view Mm -hmm. it as a purpose and I view my role, my divine assignment while I'm here on earth is to be a guide and an expander to other people Mm -hmm. to step into a role where I can help them reconnect with themselves. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm not here to do the healing work for them. I'm not here to tell them how to live their lives. I couldn't even if I wanted to, which I don't. But my role is to help be a guide alongside them on their journey. And eventually when they are able to reconnect with their inner wisdom, with their highest self, with their true self, they'll realize that they had the answers all along. That sounds like a fucking cliche, but it is what it is. Cause they yeah. do, we all do. Right? Mm-hmm. We all have those answers inside of us. All Irritatingly right. true. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Right. <laughs> and it's like terrifying, right? Because that means that if our life is fucked up and it's not going the way that we want it to, right. Not talking about like systemic issues or systemic yeah. oppression or marginalization or unsafe situations, right. Where obviously people are able to leave, not talking about mm-hmm. those situations. I'm talking about situations where people, are creating their own limitations right through their mindset and through their belief system because there's so much safety in familiarity right even if you're hurting while you're there even if you're feeling small and constricted and powerless and helpless while you're there right and it can be terrifying to say oh well maybe i'm here because i put myself here yeah 
right? And like how unpopular <laughs> an idea is that? I imagine you're probably gonna get comments just on this episode. Being like, oh my gosh, what the fuck she's talking about? But it's so true. It's um, <laughs> because yes, I, I I believe in, of course, there's not only there's systemic issues. But there's also fucking randomness and chance. And those, you know, play into the equation too. But then there's also just you reap what you sow and you won't reap what you don't sow, right? So sometimes I might work really hard and also get a shit roll of the dice and, you know, get hit by a car or something. But also if I'm not working really hard, how do I ever expect or not not hard in the sense of like all the time, whatever, right? But if I'm not intentionally trying to put myself in the path of possibility and taking steps toward what I want my life to look like, why wouldn't it, why would it go in that direction? You know? Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that I say over and over to my clients is how important it is to be able to reckon with your truth, right? The pain of truth is never going to be as bad as the pain of ambiguity or the pain of self-limitation. Mm. And one of the things that I talk about a lot with my clients is this idea of, listen, like, I'm not here to shame you. I'm not here to critique or throw shade. Like, if you want to choose safety, then choose it, but own it, right? Own that choice. Own that you recognize that it's not changing because you don't want it to. Yeah. Right? Until you can get to that point where you accept that this is the reality that I'm choosing to create right? Subconsciously, not consciously, right? But this is the reality that I'm choosing to create because it benefits me in some way. It's meeting my needs in some way. Yeah. And you're going to continue to sit in that frustration and that helplessness until you allow yourself to really come to terms with that truth. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. I sometimes say you've got to be willing to be wrong about yourself, right? Because oh, yes. if you're not, if you're not willing to, like, <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to help you. <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I say that too. And I'm like, and listen, like, I'm going to be wrong about you too. Right. Like, yeah. feel free to call me on my bullshit because I'm not going to uh-huh. get it right all the time either. And like, yeah. isn't that just kind of the beauty of it? Right. Like, oh, I love that quote about how healing isn't about becoming your best self, it's about becoming your whole self. Mm. Right. All the parts, not just yep. the parts that society says it's acceptable. And um, so I work with a lot of folks who are high-powered, high-stress, high-achieving individuals. And it's not an uncommon thing for me to see this pattern of when people you know, come to me, whether they've done healing work before or not, but they come to me and it's really easy for them to fall into that same pattern of making healing an item on the to-do list and making healing yep. something <laughs> that they can measure success by. Mm-hmm. Right? They and bring like, their journal, they took all their <laughs> notes, they have their agenda. <laughs> I love it so much. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I had a recent session with someone I've been working with for a while and we were talking about something. And at some point I noticed, and I just stopped like in the middle of my sentence and I was like, oh my God, I was like, do you see what just happened? And they were like, what? And I was like, your journal fell off your lap. I said, and you haven't even moved to pick it up. Like it's just mm. there. And they looked down and they were like, oh yeah, I didn't even realize. And I was like, oh, like goosebumps, right? Yeah. <laughs> like such a small moment, but it was such a tangible representation of them doing so much work around being able to let go of that need for constant control, right? Let mm-hmm. go of that need to feel safe through controlling everything, right? Which comes from that space of fear. And 
the idea that this thing that was so important to them, right? Like it felt like such a touchstone, such a safety net when they first started that legit, it would like always be there, right? They're open, taking the notes all the time. And to see them get to the space where they're just like, oh yeah, I didn't even realize. I'm like, cause you trust yourself. You feel yes. safe. You trust that things are going to happen that you can't control, but you also trust that you're going to be able to respond to them and that whatever happens, you're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And they were like, yeah, I do feel that. And we just had this moment of just like cheesy gritty. That's <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. Oh, you know, it's the heart. Like, oh, yeah. my heart just feels like so warm right now. It's just, mm-hmm. those are the moments, you know, like, so absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I can't remember if I mentioned this on the podcast, but I had a client who had really, I mean, that kind of typical type A overachiever and just really always struggling with letting go of control. And that's a hard thing, right? Very, very hard, right? Because of course, there's so much shit we don't have any control over that. Why why aren't we going to grasp on where we sort of ostensibly can? And then she was got to like eight and a half months pregnant and now has a beautiful baby boy. But she was like toward the end of the pregnancy, she just kind of sat back in her chair and she's like, you know what? I've realized you can't do shit about shit. <laughs> I was like, Two years of therapy and we have achieved our goal. <laughs> uh, yes. Oh, that's beautiful. I just felt like, I just felt like the sense of release, like, as you said that, yeah. right. I mean, I just, I know what that feels like. I know what that feels like for me. I know what that feels like with my clients, but just that sense of finally being able to breathe mm-hmm. once you allow yourself to just let go of that weight that you're holding, right. That weight yeah. that's on your shoulders. And it feels like you have to hold your entire world up constantly, because if you let it go, what's going to happen to it, you know, and finally just being like, you know what? I am going to put it down for a moment. I'm going to trust that like, it's going to be there. It's going to be okay. And like, I can come back and pick it up when I'm ready, mm-hmm. but like things will be good. Right. And it can be I'll so counterintuitive for ambitious people. Right. Because mm-hmm. I mean, and I would say that even if you're not someone who's like on the verge of burnout, it's still really challenging to embrace the reality that like, oh, sometimes if I actually let off the gas, I might be more quote unquote successful. And that trying harder and trying harder and trying harder, sometimes we just end up spinning our wheels. Often we do. And then we're like, why isn't this working? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Oh, and yeah, I have that conversation frequently. And I know I go into that pattern sometimes too. And it's, I think that's why it's so helpful for for, you know, us who were in roles of healing and we're healing practitioners. And I think that's why it's so important for us to also be getting our own support and mm-hmm. also be working with our own healers, you know, like whatever that looks like, whatever modality, because, you know, there are some times where I'm, I'm spent, you know, I'm holding energy for other people and so important. And there's some times where I notice myself starting to get more irritable and I'm starting to get more impatient and I'm starting to feel more of a need for control. And I know for me specifically, I've done a lot of work around this. I know that when I start feeling that sense of urgency and I start feeling the need to control things and I start getting irritated Mm -hmm. when people 
or the world or my dog, <laughs> you know, like isn't behaving in the way that I quote unquote need them to or want them to. That's a red flag for me that I'm like, oh, I need to recharge. I need mm-hmm. to recenter because this right here, that's telling me that I'm out of alignment in some way. And I yeah. need to take a moment and get back in alignment and working with another healer so that they can hold my energy for a bit and they can work for a bit. And I can take a little bit of a break, you know, even as I'm doing the work with them. I just think that's so crucial. And I don't know, I just think that's important to bring up because I do, I speak with so many folks in our field and I'm, you know, they're not getting support and it just always makes me wonder. I mean, I'm I'm not trying to like shame anybody and obviously there there are reasons why, you know, I talk to a lot of folks who like, I know their life, I know their lifestyle. I know that they have the time and the space and the money and the resources Mm -hmm. to pursue it and they're choosing not to, right? And it really just, it makes me wonder like, how are they doing it? How are they doing this? How are they doing this work? You know, mm-hmm. and, and what does the work look like and, and how much space are they able to hold and how much are they able to like really go deep? Right. Mm-hmm. Because I, I can't imagine doing this work and like not having someone else to work with around it. But that being said, I know that I'm also, I would define myself as a highly sensitive person. I'm extremely yeah. emotionally intuitive and I'm extremely sensitive to energy. So I know some therapists and coaches, they'll meet with like, you know, 30 people a week of like, I would be dead. <laughs> I, my, yeah. I, I was like, I can't, you know, like I'm so in it mm-hmm. with my clients. Like I am so here. I'm so present. I am so engaged. And there's pros and cons to that, right? Yeah. Like the pro is that you get like a very engaged and present, you know, healer working with you. But the con to that is that, you know, I, I can't do as much quantity. Like I yep. really, really have to be careful about who I'm taking on and how many people I'm taking on and, and how I'm doing the work. Yeah, absolutely. And I know you also really prioritize both the time boundaries and also energetic boundaries around work and business. And I'm curious if you could give us an example of like, are there any ways that you sort of set energetic boundaries at any point in your day? so often, so often. So I think the first like really obvious example of that is that I have a brick and mortar office space. Mm -hmm. And I know there are a lot of healers who after COVID, they were like, I'm not paying for office space. Like, why would I? Like we can do it all (laughs) online. And again, like that is great for them. I'm I'm a little bit envious actually. Like that'd be so nice. I know for me, I need that physical boundary mm-hmm. in terms of my energetic boundaries. I need that sense of, okay, when I walk out of my house, I have that transition time in the car to go into work mode, to go into healer mode. And by the time I walk into my office, right? Like my body and my psyche is already associated. that like when I'm in this physical space, this is the energy of the state that I'm in. And it's amazing because some days, like I might not even be like having a great day or like in a great mood, but I notice that when I step into my office space, it immediately calms me because Mm -hmm. I've done so much work around creating that connection, that association, setting that energetic boundary. And it's, it's really beautiful. And I pat myself on the back for that. Two years ago, Eric would not have have been able to do that. So I'm like, good job. (laughs) And, you know, another really important energetic boundary for me is that I'm really careful about the clients who I take on. Mm -hmm. And I know 
a lot of healers who I talk to, especially in the therapy world, right? There's such a concept that we internalize about being martyrs and about mm-hmm. being saviors. And it's really fucked up on a number of levels for us as the practitioners and for the clients who we work with, right? Like how, how disempowering and condescending is that? Uh, that could be like a whole other TED talk. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's super important for my energetic boundaries that I'm working with clients who we're energetically aligned. You know, yeah. when I first started my practice, I wasn't yet very experienced with being able to tell. And, you know, I was, I was meeting with clients and I just felt my energy just so depleted Mm. after certain sessions or after certain weeks. And I would notice that I wasn't looking forward to sessions. I wasn't looking forward to meeting with some clients. And there was really a moment when I first started my multiple moments when I first started my practice where I was like, man, maybe this isn't for me. Maybe, maybe I made a mistake. Maybe I went and business for myself, like a full-time therapist, like maybe I just made all of these mistakes that this is terrible and I just need to pivot, like go to OnlyFans. I don't know, right? Like I was just like in that space of like, what am I going to do with my life? And then I started doing more work around that and more work around energetic boundaries and really about, you know, being aligned and centered in what's going to be best for me because when I'm at my best, my clients are at their best, right? Like Mm -hmm. I can give that to them. I can share that with them. I can model those boundaries very really for them. And now that I'm working with clients who are all in energetic alignment with me, I do not have a single client who I work with at this point in time who I don't look forward to that session with them. Mm-hmm. So my week is now filled, right? Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, because another energetic boundary is that I don't see clients on Wednesdays and Fridays. When I have client days, that's client days, right? That is me in yep. that state, right? So like today is a Wednesday. That's one of the reasons why I'm meeting with you for this podcast episode today. I wouldn't be doing a podcast episode on a Monday, Tuesday, or Thursday. Mm-hmm. Right. Those are my client days. That's the energy that I'm in. That's the space that I stay in. Right. But Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, like I don't get the Sunday scaries anymore. Yeah. I'm like looking forward to Monday. I'm looking forward to the clients who I see. I'm looking forward to like hearing their updates and hearing what's going on and like getting to work with them. And mm-hmm. I think that's Probably for me, one of the, if not the biggest energetic boundaries is really being intentional about who am I working with, right? And are we in energetic alignment? Because if I'm working with clients who are not in energetic alignment with me, that's going to throw off my energy way more than pretty much anything else I can think of. I don't know if yep. you have thoughts yeah. or other ideas and you're like, wait, I thought of this thing, Erica. Yeah. Well, I was just thinking about how in a way that's a benefit of like you having your TikTok presence, right? Is that at least that's a on one side we we have sort of like okay, the people who are maybe finding you via that avenue, they've already decided that they feel energetically aligned with you, right? As opposed to in sort of the old school world of they read three paragraphs that you wrote on psychology today and I mean, not you, you wouldn't do this, but like most of that information is just like cliches combined with treatment modalities and names of diagnoses, right? <laughs> like how was anyone supposed to get a sense of someone's like energy or vibe through that kind of way? So I think it's neat that that there are these ways that we can really convey like, this is who I am take it or leave it. Right. And then of course there's on your side, then you have to kind of feel that and, and filter and go, okay, yes, this feels really good on my end too. So I think that's a neat sort of side benefit of that. 
Yes, I love that so much. I feel like that's going to segue nicely into that soapbox topic that we were yes. talking about before Please we hopped on. Go um, off. <laughs> um, okay, wait, I'm going to, but really quick, before I get to that, I'll say one more energetic boundary. Being on social media is one of the ways that I set this energetic boundary about who I work with, but also about who even bothers to reach out to me to inquire, mm. right? And, and I talk to a lot of therapists who their inquiry process is so open. It's such like a catch-all process that they have so much energy that they're investing into human beings who aren't even eligible to work with them, right? Mm -hmm. Or or wouldn't be a good fit or they wouldn't be a good fit for. And so I'm very intentional about what is my client engagement process from the moment that they are unaware of me to going into being aware of me to then deciding, okay, I'm going to reach out to Erica and, and book a discovery call so I can talk with her and see what this is about. And I try to be super intentional about the process that leads up to them actually scheduling that discovery call, mm-hmm. because I know what it feels like to be scheduling time in your day. And then you hop on the discovery call and you're immediately like, oh no, this isn't going to work because you know, I don't take insurance and they're looking to use their insurance right. or, you know, they're getting on the call because they want a therapist for their 15 year old child, teenager. And I'm like, Oh, I don't, I don't work with adolescents. Right. Mm-hmm. So being super clear about like being on TikTok, having a space where people can really get a sense of who I am, what I'm like, how I talk, my style, my vibe. And that weeds out a ton of people right from the start. So by the time they get to that discovery call, they can also see like, how much do I charge? Right. I charge premium fees for my services, not everybody is going to either choose to invest that way or have the resources to, right? So if that also immediately weeds people out, then I'm getting to see that I don't take insurance, right? That weeds people out. So that by the time someone actually gets on a call with me, chances are more likely than not, there's a very high likelihood that they are going to book with me, right? Mm-hmm. So that saves them time, that saves me time, that saves us energy. So I just like really want to shout out that piece too, right? Like yeah. we're looking for quality, not quantity here. Because if yeah. we're looking for quantity, that's just wasted energy. And like, right. we don't need to do that to ourselves or to potential clients. We don't need it. Nope. <laughs> exactly. I know that was a bit long. <laughs> you want me to get into the, yes, the issues of the lack of fitness training? <laughs> Go off. So I think that all of this that we're talking about, right, like you just talking about psychology today, right, how there really is such a sense of just kind of like it feeling very generalized, right? Like a lot of folks, when they go into psychology today looking for therapists, a lot of the times you're not really going to be able to differentiate between like therapist A, therapist B, therapist C, right? And one of the reasons why that is, is not because these therapists aren't great therapists, but it's because we haven't gotten any training on business. Right. Like, and I don't know if this has changed in school since I've been in school. I, I like to think it wasn't that long ago, but yeah. <laughs> like, I'm, like, I'm like counting back on, I'm like, oh wait, actually like, probably anyway, I'll have my existential crisis later. <laughs> but thinking about how, you know, when we go through school to become therapists, we're being trained by other therapists and other therapists are the people who've made the curriculum. But what we don't have involved in this is business owners, mm-hmm. business people, people who can teach therapists who want to go into private practice, how to be a CEO, yeah. right? And it, and it absolutely boggles my mind because we get no business training at all. 
we get no training around just really basic things like how do we start up a private practice, right? How do we streamline processes? You know, how do we create structures that represent who we are, what our values are? How, how do we clarify what our brand is? How do we clarify mm-hmm. who we are as a brand, right? And especially thinking about how in the therapy world, there is such that martyr and savior complex that we're really taught to not put the focus on us. So that when we decide to become a business owner, we have to act in a way that feels really, really contradictory to our values almost mm-hmm. at this point, right? We, we need training. to step into it. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly, exactly. It feels so counterintuitive. And a lot of therapists never get to the point where they can do that. Right. And so they rely on word of mouth referrals. And, you know, if you're in a city or a state or a geographic area where, you know, you have like a well-built connected network, then that's great. But if you need to move for some reason, you're shit out of luck. Yeah, You have no way of actually marketing yourself because you never needed to, you know, and you never trained to. Yep. Right. You, you don't know how to do SEO. You don't know how to build a website. You don't know how to get on social media. You don't even actually know who you are as a therapist, which mm-hmm. is really my larger point, right? The business and the marketing and the branding all goes hand in hand with this idea. Like the way that we show up as a therapist is a direct manifestation and representation of who we are as a person, mm-hmm. what our values are, what our beliefs are, you know? And I talk to so many therapists and I do business coaching with other therapists and coaches as well. And one of the really common things that I see that folks are really struggling with is, you know, they will talk with their clients all day long about boundaries, but they're not enforcing them themselves. (laughs) Right. And and then they come to me and they say, you know, like my clients, they feel stuck in X, Y, and Z. And I was like, well, your clients feel stuck because you're stuck. Mm. You're, you're saying one thing, but your words are not energetically aligned with how you're living your life. You can't take people where you haven't been. Yeah. Exactly. Right. So you're talking the talk, but you're not walking the walk. And that is where the work is. Right. And Mm -hmm. that comes back to the idea of being an expander. And why for me, it feels so incredibly important and crucial for me to continue expanding in my own life so that I can model that for my clients and I can share that energy with them. Right. When right. my clients walk away from session, they're like, oh, I feel this way. And I'm like, well, you're welcome because that's my energy that I just shared with you. <laughs> you know, take it. Use it. Like, that's what you're paying for. You're not you paying just, for my yeah, years you just of training some or knowledge. Very valuable co-regulation. I'm right like, there. yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so I'm like, yes, take it, use it, do well with it. Yeah. Right. And that's why it truly is. I mean, it's mindset, but it's also like doing the kind of work that we do I mean, every human hopefully has the opportunity, the resources, the desire to grow and to be always learning and to be, you know, ensuring that their self-care is strong and all of that, like every human. But in our field, if we're not doing that, we're like being negligent, you know? That's such a good point. Yeah. No, that that is a really good point that in our field, it really is a form of negligence, right? If if we are not taking care of ourselves, then we are not able to care for our clients. And we might yeah, be we're doing... not able to walk our talk. And like, that's yeah. just, that's not how it works. Yeah. And I do want to say something else to, to your point just now, because it's something that I think about a lot as well. Something that I struggle with and go back and forth on, but the idea of just, I guess, privilege in general mm. in terms of healing and yeah. the idea of there are certain tangible resources for survival right? Like you need food and you need shelter and you need electricity and you need running water. And not everybody has that at all times, right? 
for whatever the reasons are. And I just think about how I charge premium fees because I cannot work as many hours. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the time that I am working, I am so present and I'm so plugged in that that takes so much energy out of me. I spend hours every week just on my own self-care, right? Mm -hmm. I spend hours every week on my morning wake-up ritual. I spend so much time on meditating, on reflecting, on journaling, on engaging with my own healers to do my own healing work, right? I spend so much time just around my energetic work, Mm -hmm. right? But I think about how I'm able to do that because I have the time and space, right? I've worked really hard and I also have a lot of privilege that combined allowed me to get to this space. And I think about when I was like in New York city, for example, and I was going to grad school and I was spending three hours a day commuting on public transit. And sometimes you had Wi-Fi, and sometimes you didn't. And I was working like three part-time jobs, like as I was doing grad school. And I just remember even at that time being like, I don't have the energy to grow. Like I don't have the, like the cognitive labor that it takes, the emotional labor that it takes to like really sit and be able to heal. Yeah. And I just think about how fucked up it is that there are so many people, especially in the U S because of the systems we have set up here Mm -hmm. that like self-care is a luxury. It's not considered a necessity here. And I think that's one of the reasons why they're trying to ban TikTok because Americans are getting pissed when we're seeing like all these other people, you know, from these other countries being like, are y'all okay? Right. Like in these other countries where like, Healthcare is basically free, right? And like you, mm-hmm. you have to take vacation from work because like you can't not. And just all these things that I, I think about how here in the U.S., you know, the way that people are just so exploited, right? And how you you really have to make so much money here to even yeah. just be getting by, right? And and how that ties in to the notion of self care, right? Mm-hmm. And how like can I even go to therapy? Do I have time to take off of work? Because if I take mm-hmm. off of work, then I lose that. So I don't know if I really have a point yeah. here. I just don't well, that's something that like weighs on my mind a lot. Yeah. Oh, I know it's, it's, it's hard. It's complicated because I agree. Like I'm also at a point in my career where I charge premium fees and, you know, there's also ways that now, thankfully as a leader of an organization, that organization can live out some of my values in other ways that don't have anything to do with my own personal fees. But it's still like, it's tough. And and I think too, that like, when people are paying those fees, I know there's all this like, hubbub about like, we're trading dollars for hours. And what are you charging per hour? And like, sure, if we want to get like, logistical about it only, then you're charging X per this much a time. However, what people are really getting, and this goes not just for this type of service, but any like photographers, for instance, it's, mm-hmm. I'm not paying that much per hour just for that person's time. I'm paying for the 10 years of experience that this incredible photographer has who's bringing to our space and the the skill that I don't know actually how many hours of experience our recent photographer had but we had a shoot on Sunday holy crap like this woman Jessica McIntosh she I'll have to have her on the pod someday but she is like in her element and it's like I am paying that premium fee not just for her time but for all of the expertise and experience that she's bringing and that goes for you Mm -hmm. and me and anyone else who's you know in a field where it's like on paper it looks like we're charging just for this block of time but there's a lot like you said your energy and everything that comes with that Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Oh, that's such a good point. And I'm so glad that you made that point because I think that does tell like dovetails nicely into this idea of like what can we do in countries like the US, right? Where privilege is such like this pervasive, oppressive force in so many ways and like the ways that it manifests. And one of the ways that I really see it do a lot of harm in our field is, you know, it means that most folks don't have access to high quality mental health care, right? And then if folks are able to access health care, a lot of the times the workers that are working with are totally burnt out, right? They're overextended, they're overexhausted, they're past capacity. And one of the things that I see in terms of a lot of therapists responses to other therapists like you and me who are in this space and we have our own business and we finally got to the point where we had those realizations of like, wait, what the hell? I'm charging less than a person pays for a haircut like what? Like we are literally doing work that revamps your brain and your life so that you can feel better and you can live better. And that is worth less than a haircut. Like, mm. So, you know, just getting to that space and be like, yeah. oh, that's fucked up. We got to do this different. But a lot of therapists respond to that. And, you know, there's the stigma around being a therapist and charging premium fees. There's this stigma around the idea of like, oh, well, you're being greedy or you're not being accessible or you're not like serving people in the way that you should be, you know, X, Y, and Z. And my response to that is that's not an individual issue. That is a systemic issue. Yeah, I would absolutely take insurance if the insurance companies yeah. weren't fucked till <laughs> Sunday in terms yeah. of them not paying, right? Or not paying on time months late or deciding that, yeah, I'm going to pay you, but it's going to be 50% of what your full right. rate is and who can live on that, mm-hmm. you know, or they give you so much paperwork that you stay tied up in that for months on end. Right. So mm-hmm. when other therapists say to me, like, Oh, well, you're being selfish or you're being greedy. What, what I say back is I think you're being selfish by not confronting your uncomfortability with expanding past what this field tells you you should do, because the more that we keep playing by those rules, the more that, people and entities like insurance companies benefit and then who gets fucked over the clients and the Mm -hmm. clinicians right like this system is not serving anybody right now and me stepping outside of it that's not the issue here right preach yeah like that's the space i'm in i'm just trying to live I have to say that normally I am super aware of the time. You probably know that too, doing the work that we do. I, I was just like so in flow with you. I looked at the clock a couple minutes ago. I was like, oh crap, it, we are over time, which uh, is fine with me. But I apologize if you're like, why are we still going? Uh, no, I take that as a huge compliment. I feel very flattered right now, actually. I'm like, oh my God, man. we just got in the flow we can't help ourselves (laughs) oh my gosh so maybe one day we'll have to do a part two but meanwhile tell the people where they can find you and what you offer if they're interested in working with you thanks so much so if you are looking to find me i am looking to diversify into basically all social platforms because um you can find me on tiktok that's where my largest presence is that's going to be at Erica Murphy healing, and it's going to be the same handle for all the other platforms I'm on. So you can find me on TikTok at Erica Murphy healing. You can also find me on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. My presence is not as big on those areas yet. So I highly recommend that you start getting over there because I'm going to be building up my presence there, especially with like, who knows what's happening with the TikTok fan. 
But the services that I offer, I am a licensed therapist. I'm also a coach and I focus on ADHD, anxiety, stress, and self-esteem. I do a lot of work with high performers, high achievers, folks who are really stressed out, who feel like they need to keep it all together all the time. And that if they drop one ball, something terrible is going to happen. So I do a lot of work with helping people to identify those self-limiting beliefs that are keeping them stuck in that sense of constant pressure and urgency. And I help them reconnect with themselves, with their inner wisdom, with their intuition, so that they can start to move forward in their lives with a new sense of ease, joy, and balance. Mm. And you got that down. That was beautiful. I practiced. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much. It has been so wonderful chatting with you and we'll have to do it again sometime. Oh my gosh. I love this. Thanks so much, Val. It's been so much fun. Thank you so much for inviting me. Hell yeah, friend. You made it to the end. I so appreciate you tuning in. And if you enjoyed this episode, make my day by subscribing and leaving a five-star review to help other people find this podcast. If you haven't already, make sure to grab my free video training on how to get shit done toward your high priority goals without getting distracted or stuck by ADHD or squirrel brain. Just head to badbitchtherapist.co slash three tips. That's .co slash the number three tips. You can follow my antics on TikTok at Bad Bitch Therapist and on Instagram at the same, but with dots between the words. Thanks so much for being here. Now go out there and have a great fucking day.